Well, good morning, everybody. For those of you I do not know, my name is Mike. It's an honor to welcome you here to North Stars. We wrap up this series called One Another. It's been one of my favorite series because all throughout the New Testament, God thought it was important enough for us to not just live in community with each other, but he cared about how we lived in community with each other. And therefore, he left these little phrases, one another, all throughout how to serve one another, love one another, give to one another. And we spent all these weeks unpacking how we do life with other people. And so it has been a fun, fun time. So I want you to do me a favor. Take your Bibles. Turn to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 is where we're going to camp out and look at a passage together this morning as we talk about, we wrap up talking about how do we learn to encourage one another. So let's just, we, we owe a great round of applause. Friday, this is, this was like really big, Friday and Saturday, the sun came out. Can y'all give a round of applause to the Lord for sending us the sun? Lord, I needed some vitamin D. It was cold, but the sun was out. It was beautiful. It was just good to see it. So, all right, let's talk about today. If you heard the word courage, it's a word that stirs up something in you. You know, courage is one of those words that calls something out of you. If I said someone was courageous, if I said someone walked into the face of danger with courage, it's that thing inside you. It elicits something out of you. It's, it means, courage means to stand in the face of. It means to do in light of everything being said against you, you had courage to do it. You know, when our, when our kids were growing up, I remember when they were little, we prayed that as they grew up that they would have courage to stand for the Lord, that they would walk with the Lord even though their friends may not, even though the greater part of society may not. We prayed they would have courage. We prayed they would have courage to do the right thing and to make the right choices. And that was a big deal when they, when they were growing up because you all, we all, there are times we need courage to make it through adversity, to make it through uh, a really difficult time at work or a difficult time in our personal lives. That is the word courage, right? Courage, courage is something that has to come out when the odds are stacked against you. Courage. So let's take the word courage. I want you to write it at the top of your outline. If you got your outline, I want you to write it there at your, in the outline. If you don't have it, we have an app, right? And so you either have the app. If you don't, you can get it. Go to the uh, App Store, North Star Church, Georgia. If you have a flip phone, can't help you. But anyways, it's open. But if you have an app, sorry, you, you can get it there. So write the word courage down. You can thumb it in too, courage. But we can add a couple letters to courage, and change the whole meaning of it, right? So courage is something we all want. Courage is something that when, when everything looks like a kagora, a courageous person rises up and they do, they do it, they get it done. It's courage. We all, we can have, we can tell a million stories of courage. Courage, you've got them all going through your mind. But we can add a couple letters to the word courage and change everything. So let's add the letters, and I want you to write these on your outline, D-I-S. D-I-S plus courage spells what word? Discourage. Discourage literally means you take away from courage. 
what would cause someone to stand up, someone can do something to take away. They discourage you. They discourage you. They are the person that comes along and doesn't make you better. They actually bring out the worst in you. They're discouragers. They don't want you to necessarily do the right thing. They don't want you necessarily to take the other path. They don't want you to learn how to walk with the Lord. They don't want you to leave them where they are. They discourage you. Now, sometimes discouraging can be a positive. You, you discourage someone from making a wrong choice. But the context we're taking it in today is there are discouragers. There's people that don't make you better. They're actually people that come alongside you and take away from the best about your life. When you look at your life in the rearview mirror, how many of y'all think of somebody in your mind that didn't bring out the best in you? In fact, sometimes they spoke the worst into you. Raise your hand. Uh, I'll raise my hand. I had, a, I had a coach one time that was a discourager, right? I mean, it was nothing ever pleased them. Nothing. In fact, I played basketball up through ninth grade, and I quit playing because I can still hear this guy's voice ringing in my ears. Now, I was terrible, but it wasn't, it was, so don't, don't think there was, no, the team wasn't missing anything. But I lost a love for the game because he was a discourager, right? It was never positive. It was never good. They took away from what I wanted to do, and they took away from it. That's discourage. But you can go to this other end and add these two letters. E, N, plus courage equals what? Encourage. They're the person that adds value too. They're the person when you're around them, they make you better. They bring out the best in you. They are the person that when there's something to say, they always find the positive thing to say. They all, and it may not necessarily be they're like, oh, boy, you're the best ever, but they choose not to use discouraging words at your lowest time, right? They bring out good in you. So this, this is, a, this is a, a story of not necessarily it's what was said, that it was that they didn't use discouraging words, so it was my sophomore year at Liberty. I think it was freshman or sophomore. I think it was sophomore year at Liberty. We were playing Virginia Tech, and I came in in relief, and the, the guy in front of me had been knocked out and came in. So just to set the, set the picture, the wind was blowing very hard every time their team hit. Y'all understand the phrase, uh, here's where the game's going. It didn't blow when we were hitting, but it blew really hard when they were hitting for some reason. And so I came in, I struck the first guy out, so it's positive. So I'm eight hours from home, you know, I, my mom and dad aren't at the game. I just got my little context of buddies there at Liberty at the game. There's really nobody there. It's a cold afternoon in Virginia. And so um, I come in, strike the first guy out. Literally, literally, next pitch I throw, I'm all happy about it. Next pitch I throw, the guy hits a home run. But that, that happens, right? The wind was blowing out, all right? And so y'all got the picture. And so the wind's blowing out, the ball catches the jet stream, and it heads out. That happens. It's college baseball. It happens. The next pitch I threw, so you never throw the same pitch twice. So it was a fastball. So you got to go, if you're not a baseball fan, you got to go another pitch, right? They're not going to hit another one out. 
They did. All right, and so I, I hung a curveball, and the guy, boom, he hits it, and it's gone. So I'm like, two pitches, two home runs, it happens. I mean, it, this, not a lot, but it happens. It, these kind of things happen. I rub the ball up, and I'm like, all right, what am I going to throw this time? I'm running out of pictures, pitchers, all right, pitches. So I, I rub the ball up. I get back on the mound. Next pitch, literally, boom, guy drive. This one had a stewardess and a flight number, all right? It left at a, at a high rate of speed as it exited left field, and I'm, I'm shell-shocked. Three pitches, three dingers. This has never happened, and I'm standing on the mound. The coach comes and gets the ball. I put the ball in his hand. I come off in the dugout. It was like the parting of the Red Sea, all right? It's like everybody, nobody touches me, especially pitchers. They're like, I don't want what he has. He has a bad pitching virus, all right? And so they all, they all wander off, and I'm just sitting on the bench all by myself, lonely, discouraged, you know? I, I, I didn't know what to do. I'm just sitting there. And I remember my old pitching coach, Al Worthington, pitching the pros for years I've been a major league pitching coach for the Minnesota Twins. He's seen baseball forever. He was in his 60s at this point and the end of his career, and he's just patting my leg. And I remember looking at him at the, my lowest, and I said, Coach, did you ever have a game that bad? And he went, nope. All right, and so that's it. <laughs> it wasn't discouraging. He was just being honest. All right, so I want you to read with me. I want everybody to stand with me today. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. The writer of Hebrews is writing to this early church. Let me tell you where they were. They were disillusioned and they were discouraged. They uh, had signed up for this new walk with Jesus and it wasn't turning out real well. In fact, they're being persecuted for their faith. People are coming against them. People are meaning harm to them. And many of them are starting to say, I don't know if I signed up for this deal. So you've got this early church, it's a, it's a variance of the early church, meaning it's beginning to grow out, and whoever this writer was is writing to encourage them. And I want you to read what he says, Hebrews chapter 10, we'll start reading in verse 24, we'll just read two verses, 24 and 25, 24 and 25, and the writer says this, and let us consider how to stir one or up, to stir up one another to loving good works. We talked about that a few weeks ago in serving. Not neglecting meeting together is the habit of some, but what's the next word? Encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You know what the writer was saying? You guys need each other to make it. You need each other not to be discouragers, but you need other people to be encouragers. If you agree with a statement I make, just say amen. Life is hard. Life's tough. You need other people. Would y'all pray with me? Father, in a world of discouragement, in a world of people telling us we can't, in a world of never speaking the right word at the right time, God, would you speak the right word at the right time into our lives today, not to affect how people deal with us, but affect how we deal with other people. You left us here in community, you left us here in relationship. God, may we do it well, and may we live it well and may the words we speak this morning one day be the words that describe us. 
encouragers. Father, bless our time. Speak to us. Use your word to crawl up into our lap and into our lives to transform us into the people you want us to be. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Before you're seated, I want everybody to turn around, meet somebody around you that was also too poor to go out of town for winter break with schools, all right? So just meet each other, do all that kind of stuff, and you can have a seat. I was on, we were, we were, Ann was on Facebook yesterday, and she goes, I don't know if anybody will be at church. I think everybody went to Disney, which is why I stayed here. All right, here we go. Um, there's a great character. I think if I were to do a little quiz today and say, name your favorite people from Scripture, there would be a lot of names that would come out. Jesus, of course, would come out, hopefully, first. Uh, and there would be Paul and Timothy and, and all the other, John, all the other great, great characters of the New Testament. This guy, though, this guy's a, he's a dude. He's a, <clears throat> you don't pick up his name till the book of Acts. The early church has been formed the uh, apostles have been preaching. The, the church is birthed, right? Jesus, sort of give you a little chronology. Jesus lived 30 years, did his ministry for three. He died on a Friday, rose again on a Sunday, which we'll celebrate here in a couple weeks for Easter. And then the, he lived on earth for 40 more days after the resurrection and then ascended back to heaven. And then he left it all with his disciples. He left it and said, all right, guys, you, you roll. You go do your thing now. And the disciples began meeting together. They began praying. And then there was a day called Pentecost. And the 3,000 were saved that day. And the early church was formed. In this early church, there was a guy. His name was Joseph. Uh, not Joseph of the Old Testament. This is another Joseph. And Joseph becomes so uh, identifiable, they changed his name, in fact, the nickname that he was known by was the name Barnabas, which means the son of encourager. He's an encouraging one. This is the story. I want you to read it. You can read it on the screens. I'm not going to ask you to flip there. Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. I'm going to read this, and I'm going to give you the point. Acts 4. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them, brought the proceeds of what was sold, and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as they had need. So they, they now, they have a church, now they got a fund. They, they got people with needs, they've got crisis, they've got to fund it. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. He sold a field that belonged to him, and he brought the money, and he laid it at the apostles' feet. Here's four ways to encourage. Encouragement way number one is I encourage when I give. I encourage when I give. I want you to write a little thought under that. I'm never more like Christ than when I'm giving. There's something about giving that makes you feel good, right? There's, some, there's something about giving. When someone gives to you, it makes you feel good. And when you're able to give to someone else, it feels good. So here's this early church. Here's Barnabas. He hears that they have a need. He takes a plot of his land. He sells it, and he brings the proceeds to the apostles to help take care of other people. It's really the first time we find out anything about Barnabas. We find him giving. 
So land back then, it was an agrarian society, so land back then was a really big deal. You, you had land, which means you could have livestock, which means you could have farming area, which meant you could supply for your family. So when he sold that, it was worth a lot of money, and that was a big deal. It wasn't like he sold off jewelry. He gave his land to benefit and bless someone else. Part of encouraging is giving. That's part of encouraging. When you give, you feel encouraged. And when someone gives to you, it can encourage you, especially when you least suspect it. So over the past 23 years here at North Star, I found out a, a little truth that is, is just what it is. I have never met a person who was a discouraging person that was a giver. And I want you to write down three ways. So they give their time, talent, treasure, right? And it's just an easy way to remember it. Time, they, sometimes they're serving. They give of their talents, their abilities, and then they give of their treasure. They give. I've never met a discouraging person who was a giver. Usually they're the most encouraging people. And they show it by giving. So years ago, so I started at North Star when I was 28. So I was a youngster back then. And, and then, uh, so that was 97. 2003, I was the, the number two for the first five years, from 97 to 02. And 03, our founding pastor, senior pastor Ike, transitioned into a new role with a, with a mortgage company and went out of the day-to-day -day piece of this. And I moved into the senior pastor role. And I remember it was my very first series we ever did on giving, all right? Because here's the deal. Just like then, you got to give. You, you have to give to uh, make it, right? I mean, we don't, we don't have a church if there's not giving. And so I remember I was nervous. I was 33. I was young, and I, I didn't want to step on anybody's toes. And so it was my first really sermon on giving and why we should all give. And I remember I made the mistake of checking my phone between services. No, no. All right, don't check your phone. Because somebody left, I know y'all find this hard to believe. We do get bad news occasionally. All right, and so somebody left the 930 and wrote me an email. I, I'm assuming while they were sitting in the parking lot, because I read it between services, and he wore me out about asking about giving. And this was the comment he made. He said, I had a $1,000 check in my pocket to give, and because you talked about giving, I'm keeping it and not giving it. That's what he said. So you need to rethink. And I'm like, rethink? I'm preaching again in 20 minutes, all right? And so I ain't got, I ain't got time to rethink. And I'm questioning myself, and I'm doubting myself. I mean, just being honest. I'm doubting myself. And um, so that was after the 9.30. So I preach again at 11. I was young, trepidously. I mean, I, I was very, it's the largest word you'll hear all morning, by the way. And so trepidously, I was a little, a little nervous about it. And so I preached 11. I'm leaving now, walking out to my truck. I'm walking out, and a car pulls up. And a guy said, hey, man, can we talk? And I'm like, not twice in a morning, all right? And so I walk up the window, and I say, yeah, man, what you need? And he goes, Mike, we were sitting out there today, my wife and I, we've never, ever given in our life. 
We got out to the card and we prayed about it and said, God laid it on our heart. We want to begin today to give. And he just gave me an envelope. So, of course, they pull away. I open the envelope and it was a check to North Stars. You may want to guess how much it was for. So on Monday morning, this isn't a preacher story. This is a real story. All right. And so on Monday morning, on Monday morning, I take it to Jamie and I, and I hand it. Don't give me money on Sundays. But anyway, so I hand it to Jamie and I told him the story of the email. So Jamie goes into our database and pulls up the story of the guy that he said had, said he had a $1,000 check in his pocket, had never given to North Star one day in his life. He didn't have a $1,000 check in his pocket. He was a discourager, right? We all meet him. This guy that drove up that day, and I don't remember who it was now that gave me, that was an encourager, right? You are never more like Christ than when you give. Point number two, ready? I encourage by what I say. I encourage by what I say. I love this little part. So, a little New Testament uh, work here. The, the author that we most link to the New Testament with the epistles of First and Second well, the books of First and Second Corinthians, uh, the books of First and Second Thessalonians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all the they call them the pastoral epistles. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, General Electric Power Company. All right, and so those. Whatever it takes, all right? And so you, you got all those tucked in there. The writer of those was a guy named Paul. Well, Paul at the beginning of the book of Acts was a bad dude. Paul was persecuting the early church. Paul was the guy going against the early church, snuffing out believers. He has an amazing experience on the road to Damascus where Jesus speaks to him and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he gives his heart to the Lord. But know this, nobody trusted him. Everybody thought he was up to no good. It wasn't like the early church went, yeah, we got Saul's converted. That ain't what they felt. We read the story, Acts chapter 9, and when he, Paul, had come to Jerusalem, he attempted to join the disciples. But look at what it said. They were all afraid of him, for they did not believe that he was a disciple. Isn't that a great story? It wasn't like they went, Paul, welcome in with open arms. They thought he was going to come in and kill them. They thought he was going to come in and mess up the movement now from the inside. If you followed social media here recently, there's been a person that's come to know Christ, and now they're doing gospel concerts, Kanye West. If you don't know who Kanye is, ask your children, all right? And they'll tell you. They'll, they'll fill you in. But this has sort of been the, the deal. Is he really real? Is, it, is this real? Is it not real? It's been the thing going on. So here's Paul. Nobody trusts him. But Barnabas took him, brought him to the apostles, he declared, he declared to them how on the road he had seen the Lord who spoke to him, how at Damascus he had preached boldly in the name of Jesus. So he went in among them at Jerusalem, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. Here's my question. If there hadn't been a Barnabas, would we have the books we have from Paul? I don't know. Isn't it funny what a role encouragers play in your life? 
Isn't it funny that you are where you are and who you are today because somewhere along the way, a coach, a teacher, a mom, a dad, a friend, somebody in your small group, they spoke something into you. I wrote this down. I, I found this, this quote last week, and I sent it to two people in my life that played this role. And this, this was the quote. I'm a success today because I had a friend that believed in me and I didn't have the heart to let him down. It was Abraham Lincoln. I wonder if Paul could have said the same thing about Barnabas. He encouraged publicly with his words. He spoke life about Paul to these people and he gave his blessing. He believed in him and it probably caused these guys to go, well, if Barnabas believes in him, we've got to believe in him. He spoke it with his words. Sometimes the words are written as encouragement. When I first got in student ministry years ago, uh, there was a guy who took me under his wing. He lived in Athens, Georgia. His name was Larry Shackelford. Larry was probably in his, he seemed old at the time. He was probably in his late 30s, early 40s. I was in my early 20s. And I'm telling you, this guy was unbelievable. I would get cards in the mail. And every time I would get a card in the mail from Shaq, it would have a baseball card of a buddy of mine that we played together at Liberty, a guy named Randy Tomlin. He would always collect Randy's cards, and he would send them to me in the mail, and he would say, Mike, man, God's going to use you to do great things. And this went on for years, years. And I'm thinking, God, man, Shaq is he's taking, he's, he, he sees something in me. I remember we were doing an event downtown at the Omni, at the old Omni. I didn't get to my room till 2 a.m., Went to bed at 2 a.m., had to be back at the Omni at 6 a.m. to process all the stuff for the next day, this big event we were doing. And I, between 2 a.m. and 6 a.m., a note was slid under my hotel room door from Shackelford. Mike, you're doing a great job this week. I'm so proud of you. God's going to use you in great ways. Just, this is a note. Well, this went on for a couple years. We had started North Star by this point. So this is the late 90s. I'm out of student ministry, early 2000s. And I get a call from a good friend of mine that Shaq had a massive heart attack and had passed early. I mean, he was in his 40s at this point. So I've got funeral details and I got in the car and drove to Athens, Georgia. I drive, pull in Athens, and the church is packed. Lots of my buddies there, lots of contemporaries in ministry were there to honor Shaq's life. Guy went way, way too early. The pastor, and I don't remember who it was, got up to speak that day, and he said, Shaq was known as an encourager. If you were in this room today and you ever received a note, a handwritten note from Larry Shackelford, would you stand? Everyone in the room stood. And I thought, I thought he was just writing them to me. That's what I thought. I was like, dang, man. It was one of the most powerful visuals I have ever seen in my life. This was the crazy part. The pastor, as we're standing, said, I don't want to creep any of you out. But as we went through Shaq's office, we found hundreds of cards that were written yet to be mailed. And we're going to be mailing them in the coming weeks. And we don't want you to think, Something crazy's happened when you get a card from Shaq in the mail. And I received one of those cards. 
He was an encourager. Some people encourage with their lips. Some people encourage with their pens. But he encouraged by what he said. Point number three, I also encourage by what I do. I encourage by what I do. Barnabas, Acts 11 says, went to Tarsus to look for Saul. And when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, they met with the church and they taught a great number of people. He encouraged by what he did. Here's the word I want you to write down beside that, the word presence. Sometimes it's what we say. Sometimes it's how we give. And other times, it's that we were there. Barnabas probably had other places to be, but for a whole year, he took out to go and to be. Do you know the greatest gift you'll do in somebody's life sometimes is when everything in their, their world is spinning out of control, you are present. You don't have the right thing to say. You aren't there to bring them a book. You're just present. You walk in when everybody else is walking out. And I think back to um, losing my dad in, in 2017 unexpectedly and happened late in a week and <clears throat> we waited till a Monday for the funeral. It was a holiday, in fact. And no, it wasn't my mom's was a holiday. It was a Monday. So it was a normal work day. It's the day after the Super Bowl. That's how I remember it every year. The day after the Super Bowl. And we did visitation and then the service to follow. Now, my dad was in his 80s. I knew I would see all their friends from their class at their church and their senior adult luncheons and all that. I figured they would all be there. What I didn't expect were all the people that drove from Kennesaw and Ackworth to Fayetteville. And I remember standing there in that line at the funeral home, that weird deal that still happens where you receive all these people and just watching friend after friend after friend after friend after friend walk in. None of it ever met my dad. None of them had ever, they didn't know my mom, they didn't know my parents, they knew me. And they knew that I probably needed a friend. None of them said anything. I don't, I don't remember one of them whispering something in my ear I still hold on to. You know what I remember? They were present. Mike, I don't know what to do during a crisis. Pick up somebody's paper, put it at their door. Roll up their trash can. Don't say, well, they told me they didn't need anything. Baloney. Be present. Barnabas was present. He encouraged by being there. Number four, I encourage by how I live. We encourage by how we live. I want you to write this word under this one. This is a big one. It's the word legacy. We are all leaving a legacy. All of us. We are all leaving a story about our lives. We are all leaving something that others will remember us by. The obituary is the story of our lives, of, uh, of the facts. The legacy is what you've left in other people. We're all leaving one. 
Barnabas encouraged by how he lived. It wasn't just that he gave. It wasn't just that he was present. It wasn't just that he used his words, but he encouraged by how he lived. Look at the way Luke captured it in the book of Acts. They sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he came and he saw the grace of God, he was glad. He exhorted them to all to remain faithful to the Lord with steadfast purpose, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great many people were added to the Lord. That was his legacy. So I got a question for you. Every day we encounter people. None of us live in isolation. Every day we encounter people. When their life runs into your life, here's a question. Are they discouraged or are they encouraged? Are you somebody that brings out their best Are you somebody that drives them to their worst? You're leaving a legacy every day with how you live, good or bad. Well, Mike, I think I've waited too long. It's never too late to start doing the right thing. You can change your legacy. You can change your story. Look at Saul. Saul spent the first years of his life being a discourager to the faith. He spent his remaining years being the encourager of the faith. For me, I don't want to be the guy that was remembered. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think he pastored a church in uh, Ackworth somewhere. I want to be the person that leaves a legacy in their life, not by my role, but by my life. Yeah, I think we just celebrated Valentine's Day. I don't want the only day of the year I say encouraging things to Anne is to be on Valentine's Day. I hope that every day is a day of encouragement because here's the deal. We don't know when we're going to run out of days. So we got to make the most. So here's this unnamed guy that where no name would be a better no-name guy stuck over in the New Testament who was the glue who made it all happen. There's a great book written last year about the 10 greatest sports teams that have ever existed. And... They went and studied the teams from soccer to sailing to football to basketball to baseball, and they nailed down what they said were the 10 greatest teams. You know the one thing all the 10 teams had in common? Wasn't a star player. Yeah, they all had them. It wasn't the sport. They said on every one of those teams there was one guy, most people didn't even know who they were that existed on that team that made the team tick. Those are encouragers. They just bring out the best in people. They're the people that see something in you and they call it out. That was Barnabas. If you knew Barnabas back then, Barnabas would always leave you a little bit better than he found you. Can I ask you a question? Everybody look at me. Is that you? Is that the way your wife feels and your kids feel? Hey, life's tough. 
Life's hard. Don't make it harder. Can I tell you this? God's still writing your legacy. The question is, what are we going to do with it? Would you pray with me? Maybe today you say, Mike, I don't know if that's my story. Man, you, I would say this, you can't be an encourager if you haven't met the greatest encourager, and that's Christ. He's the one who saw you at your worst and still thought you were valuable. He was the one that saw you at your lowest while you were yet still in sin and saw who you could be. Maybe today you need to meet Jesus. Maybe today you need to begin that relationship with the Lord. Now can I lead you in a prayer to meet him? It goes like this, dear Lord Jesus. Did you pray that, dear Lord Jesus? I need you. I believe you live for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you rose again just for me. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus, and be my personal Lord and Savior today. If you prayed that prayer with me, I want you to just peek up. There's a number up on the screens. You can take a picture of it. You can text it. NSC, follow it at 555-888. We would love to tell you what's next, to encourage you in your walk with Christ. Maybe today you go, Mike, I'm not where I need to be. I don't like the story I'm leaving. And I want to change that. I know Christ, but I'm not, I don't think I would be seen as the son of encouragement or the daughter of encouragement. Would you do me a favor and just let the Holy Spirit talk to you? Because it's never too late to start doing what's right. Just let the Lord talk to you, would you?